from talkradio.nyc. Welcome to At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and owner of David Thiergartner Interiors right here in beautiful Manhattan. On tonight's show, Simply Elegant, my guest tonight is architect and lighting designer David Buria of Churchwell Architectural Lighting Design. David and I will be discussing the elegance of interior lighting design from programming, comprehensive plan making, fixture selections, all the way to lighting philosophies and interior environmental aesthetics. There's a lot to talk about, so let's get started. Elegance seems like an old-fashioned word from the 19th century or perhaps from Downton Abbey. Webster's Dictionary describes elegance as tasteful richness of design, sumptuous. I always thought that a John Singer Sargent portrait was the epitome of elegance. And I say that, but Grace Kelly wearing a Christian Dior gown with a simple strand of pearls is pretty damn elegant, too. Both of those examples are straightforward and easily understood, and for all of us who covet the pages of Architectural Digest and the world of interiors, elegance seems to be regulated to French chateaus and English manor houses. In this day of blue jean and exposed bra strap fashion with interiors that are more or less focused on convenience and durability and ease. Glass and still contemporary apartments and houses built for size and not necessarily for fine details, all of which makes it a bit hard to come by elegance. Or does it? Maybe the definition should respond to the times that we're living in. Attitudes most definitely has and technology has changed the way we see and define New Day elegance. I see it as subtle, appropriate, authentic, and graceful. And that seems to better describe elegance today. And and certainly we could include women like Michelle Obama into that new, new meaning. And more importantly, And while we're here tonight, we could include interior lighting design, too. Lighting no longer regulated by candlelight or direct and obvious fixturing, new technology has allowed us to light our homes with style and panache and simple, simple elegance. And that's why I wanted to talk to David Burry, an architect and principal lighting designer for the renowned architectural lighting design firm, Tershwell & Company. David believes in recreating natural light with a laptop and not with a light bulb. So once again, technology is at the heart of how we design forward and light our homes. David's Motivation to recreate God's light inside our homes makes me want to return back just for a second to our recent past and before, before we move so quickly forward into the future. 
So much of how we have always perceived interior lighting is through our experiences at hotels or restaurants or, for that matter of fact, our offices, or from famous cinematic moments. For example, Stanley Kubrick, who, you know, by the way, is responsible for some of the most stunning light imagery in cinema history. His movies, like Barry Lyndon, include classic interior scenes shot completely by using natural light. Or one of my all-time favorite movies, the 1956 George Cooker version of The Star is Born. One scene in particular stands out, shot over and over again, taking months, not days, to capture light on film in the appropriateness of the scene. A dark and lonely bar in the wee small hours of the morning. The nightclub is closed and the band is working out a new tune for their female singer played by Judy Garland. The scene famously known for the song, The Man That Got Away, is shot through the smoldering glow of the back bar, the glitter of light on the brass instruments and the silhouettes of musicians in shadow. Diffused in the trails of smoke, the light finds its way to Garland's face and it is most definitely cinematic, cinematic magic. But it, it's more than that. Yes, it's Judy Garland at the top of her career. Yes, it's an amazing song, but it's the lighting too. The appropriate lighting. Just a glimmer of light to foretell how the story will play out in the end. And David and I can't seem to stop talking about appropriateness. Appropriate lighting for a home, for a penthouse, for an art collection. Appropriateness, subtlety authenticity and grace. I guess you could easily say a combination of architectural, lighting, design criteria worthy of a modern day star is born. When we come back, my conversation with principal lighting designer David Buria from Churchwell and Company Architectural Lighting Design. This is At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, and we'll be back in two minutes. Take it from the top. From the top? Yeah. The night is bitter. The stars have lost their glitter. The winds grow colder, suddenly you're older, and all because of the man that got away. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. 
Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Follow Me Friday Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Talking Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. My guest tonight, lighting designer David Buria. Hey, David, welcome to At Home. Well, fantastic. I'm so glad that you're here, and uh, we're happy to have you. You know, I ask each and every guest what their meaning of beauty, and more specific, uh, what their meaning of beauty is, and more specifically, what is beautiful in your home. Can you give us some of your thoughts on that? Well, I, I thought about it to some degree, and I think that uh, beauty to me is a temporal thing to live with and consume. Uh, not one element, but the balance of many things. Like we have five senses, I feel that the convergence of elements um, that create beauty. Uh, beyond this, humble materials, well considered in, de- in design, are often more beautiful than rare, lavish appointments. Uh, beauty to me is creating a sense of wonder that is sustained. Um, living as a beautiful, living in, in, in my home, uh, I, I think is, is beautiful in the sense by creating a luminous environment that responds to emotional desire that can foster comfort. The, the point I'm trying to make is that there's not a lot of things in my house that are fantastically, you know, elaborate or anything like that, but every one of these components come together and create something beautiful in this environment and and if i can create comfort and this this pervasive presence of light from nowhere is what i love and it it gives me pause to appreciate living with light and so and that's, i think that's pretty much what we're going to talk about I, this whole idea of light coming from nowhere is something that i want to really get into you also talked a little bit about um all um Enlightening all five of your sentence senses. Yes, I'm having some struggle. Oh my goodness, I'm having some trouble talking. Um, So just talk about that a little bit. You know, I mean that that in your meaning of beauty, everything is engaged in that, and that's quite beautiful if you think about it. Well, I I think that it's lighting is. You know, we see nothing in the dark, right? So I I think that I, I like to think of all the senses that are involved in. And it's even as, maybe in a stupid analogy to go to the beach. You're sitting on the beach, you, you smell the air, you, you feel the sun, you, you drink the wine, you, you hear the waves. All these sort of things start to, to create the components of everything that's about joy. And, and why does this exclusively exist in the exterior? Why is this not something that on we embrace, inside. right? Yeah. Why, why don't we embrace this in lighting and, and interior design? It's not inherently materials or beautiful lavish things it's it's just 
stimulation of emotions through all the senses and, you know, in, encouraging that. And, and why, why do you go to, a, like I said, why do we go to a Broadway show when we're just so fascinated for two hours and then we go home and we're so sad the rest of the time because we don't have that embraced in, in our reality of, of what our life is on a day-to-day basis. Our everyday existence. Absolutely. I think we're off to a really good start because I I really focus the show on the elegance of lighting and that's how I see it. That's how I, I think through it. That's what I want for my clients' residences. What does elegant lighting mean to you? Okay. Well, I kind of... I gave this some thought also. Wow, we love that. Elegance in lighting to me is designed with a balance of strength and ease. Wait, say it again. Strength and ease. Strength okay. and ease. Like an actor or a dancer on a stage can transform challenging feats and look effortless. I like that design with light creates environments crafted with concept that sculpts architecture and integrates with comfortable ease and feels natural. So you feel in an environment that you've create an environment that you feel beautiful in and feels effortless and you feel comfort in. And that is what I love about, that's what I, I like to do. And I think that if I've done my, my job well, they say, what wonderful architecture. They don't focus on the lighting, right? They say, this is in an incredible environment. And that's what I love. Um, the objects of light should, nev- should disappear and only the light joins the composition. Not the object. And when you say strength, do you, are you, just to maybe fully understand, are you talking about the strength of picking the right fixtures, designing the right plan, developing the whole programming, and, and making sure that the fundamentals are, are literally grounded well so that the ease of it is what happens uh, after all of the work has been performed and done correctly. I think that's a good point. I think that when you do wonderful design and everything is well thought through, there's so much strength and power that goes into creating something that it looks, in the end, it seems effortless, but there's so much that goes into it. And that's how I, I feel about design, is you you make it seem effortless and you make it not about lighting, you make it about architecture and living with light. And that is how I try to design so that people can not think about the lighting, but think about their life right. in light, you know, and that's, that's an important thing. It's not down lights, it's lighting. Right. And we're going to get deeper and deeper and deeper into that as the hour goes forward. And just so everybody is clear um, and to give the audience a real understanding, a lighting designer would be hired by me or the project's architect or for that instance, any reason it could be the owner the the homeowner as well and and what point of the project is it best for you to come on or what point of the project should you come on well i when i start a project i like to be part of the original design effort Many so you're th- a part of the original team original. as we're meeting and we're collecting and everybody is starting off. Abs- I, I really do and that makes sense there's some point where people say well it's just lighting you just come in at the end you know you're gonna throw some down lights or a sconce on the wall and it's done. It's like, why do I need to deal with you, right? But that that's wrong uh, in my sense because many, many things I can contribute from asking design questions of the design team. The design should not be bringing a lighting designer in the late stages, but asking how to light the space. By starting in the initial phases, it's like healthy life choice, right? 
uh, as opposed to uh, treating a sickness once you've right. finished yeah. the design. Exactly. That, that's the thing is that I can't, okay, you've got cancer now because the architecture is so bad and every material is so bad for lighting. Yeah. So how can I fix it? I don't want to do that. I want to work and say, let's steer the boat. Let's, let's find a way to craft the windows or do something different because it's lighting is not just, you know, electric. It's, it's daylight. It's, it's many different things. And truly to engage in professional design professionals, architects, interior designers, lighting designers. I mean, if you're not there from the beginning and you don't understand what the floor plans are going to look like or what art's going to be on the wall or where the millwork is going to happen and what the, the main access of the building or the house or the home looks like, um, it, 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 it doesn't lead to successful lighting, let alone elegant lighting. No. I mean, what is the procession of life? I mean, how do you experience a space? What are your expectations? How do you live from morning to night in a space, right? Right. How, how do you create things? Do you wake up at six and you don't have any light in the morning? Do you wake up to the dawn? I mean, all, all sorts of things I, I like to consider and ask the client. It's like, what do you want to see? How do you want to feel? These are important things because ultimately you're surrounded by materials and selections and beautiful things, but the emotion of the environment is crafted in so many ways by the light that you want to be in. And not to jump the gun a little bit, but Understood. just again so everybody knows, there's so much available on the market today that you know, understanding the client or the interior designer and their point of view from the beginning allows those choices to be edited and funneled into the correct places and the correct locations. Well, yes, I think the correct is a it's good. I, I steer things in a way. Steer. Yeah. 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 Um, so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, we talk a lot on the show about programming. I think programming can also be thought of as preparation, which we've already talked about. Um, you know, all the hard work goes into the preparation. So what do you think are some of the leading questions? Um, and we talked about a couple of them, but before in developing your lighting plan, just kind of go through a series of questions that you might ask the designer or the homeowner um, to try to get an idea of what the, of the ultimate lighting design looks like. Well, I, you know, it's informed to some degree, well, a great degree, by their style and architecture. What do they care about? I mean, do they, are they really old school? Are they modernist? Are they, uh, you know, I have very modern Japanese clients that are just, you know, it's, it's pristine, it's fabulous, it's beautiful, and, and they have a, a whole different aesthetic and things that they care about, and I need to talk to them. And, a a glass know, and steel building without any moldings. Absolutely. Is right. different to you, of course, than a limestone pre-war building with thick and exaggerated details and moldings. And how is that appropriate? Exactly. Right. So and how does appropriateness? Yeah. And so, so I, I, I start because it's a human experience. I think, how do you want to feel? What do you want to see? What don't you want to see? And so when people or clients start to think about that, they're, they take a pause and they wonder. It's like, oh. You're, you're this electric lighting person, your chandeliers, and whatever they think I am. And then they step back, and it's like, okay, this is kind of, you know, bad expression, but maybe theater of living. It's like how I'm, I'm trying to craft your daily experience from dawn to dusk. You know, how do you want to live? Where do you live? And, and what in your house is important? A sense of destination. How do you want to see the exterior? Do you want to be part of that? Do you, 
you know, is it cozy? Is it all these sort of things? So I listen to their emotional understanding of what, you know, might be from their adult to childhood life to how they want to feel and think about that and clearly try to think about lighting that's flattering so the you know, I don't want to look in the mirror if I look terrible. Absolutely. If I can flatter myself with lighting, then I try to do that because you, you look good, you feel good. So create spaces that people can live in light in and feel beautiful in and it just it's a that's that's kind of where I direct everybody. You you said something kind of interesting that I think applies to interior design as well, but you said in one of your questions, what don't you want to see? What don't you want to look at? Now, that could be more of an architectural question. It could be the structural column in the corner or, you know, a series of risers that have been exposed in a Tribeca loft or whatever. But it's an interesting thing because we discuss a lot uh, in trying to understand our clients more and more every day about what they don't like. Right. Right. And it, it seems to fall into that same sort of category of sometimes that's easier to answer than what you do like because a lot of people don't know what they want. A lot of people aren't sure what they're, they, what they're desiring. I, I, yeah. But I, they always know what they don't like. Yeah, yeah. That's like, I, I really hate this thing. I don't like that <laughs> stuff. I don't want this to feel uh, just not not comfortable or too cold or all those sort of things. And some of it's material, some of it's lighting. And I think shadows are as important as, important as light, right? So when you, when you think about lighting, you think about shadows, you know? Uh, my teacher in school years ago he held up his finger with a flashlight and he goes, lighting is simple. And he moved this flashlight around his finger and I'm like, I get it. His finger's lit, there's a shadow cast, there's all these things to consider. And that is, you know, the, it's fundamental, but think of the uh, you know interactions that happen between every material and what you want and what you don't want. Like if I look at a countertop that's shiny and I've got little puck lights under there, I don't want that. And it sounds so dumb, but you know sometimes people don't even know what's there, but the, the, the cognitive dissonance that happens and the uncomfort that happens from not knowing that it's bad, but feeling bad from it. It's, I don't know how to explain that exactly, but I do you know because I always think it's those scalloped forms that are created from the 1970s, 1980 track lighting right. or recess lighting, right? And you get about three quarters <laughs> up the ceiling and, and there's, there's this like you cave know, effect of scallops. Exactly, right? You know, we why, don't want that, even though you don't know that you don't want we that. We might want that. <laughs> See, the thing is... Oh, oh, okay, go ahead. We might want that. We, we, we might want to, you know, the retro things, or we might want to think about this crazy room that they've got video in or something like that. So I never discount that things are inherently bad, but I, I look at how it's being used and how they want to feel and the emotion of the space and how lighting can support that. Because you, you know, even if you're watching TV, that's just a, that's just a continuous temporal display of video, which is just a, a bunch of light. Right, but it elicits emotions. So why can't architecture being lit correctly, correctly. elicit the same emotion? And we're going to get more and more and more into aesthetics because that's where all the good 
stuff is. But I also want people to understand that you're also a part of being a lighting designer. You're you're selecting fixtures and the number of fixtures and proper fixtures for each and every space and calculating all of the above, right? I mean, it goes hand in hand. You know, listen, I don't care how much light's on the floor. I know that sounds terrible, but so many engineers of lighting calculate from a, a downlight for light on the floor, it's like you've got 32-foot candles, that's acceptable. Well, I don't care. Is your floor black or white, right? It's the amount of light falling on a surface, so it doesn't. So the, I guess the thing is, like, you you have to have int intuition and craft things, but uh, I, you know, I try to work in, in the trinity of things with, with lighting products, and that's price, quality, and availability. Yeah. Nice. You yeah. Know. Easy to understand. Easy to do. You know, in the opening, I talked a lot about our conversations about appropriateness. And so let's discuss that a little bit and what that meaning is. For instance, I'm not a fan of residential cove lighting. Right. For some reason, it just it bothers me. It seems dramatic and it seems overly commercial and it doesn't always seem appropriate in any home situation I can even possibly think of as a thousand images just race through my mind. So how do you, I guess maybe you answered it with understanding the style, but how do you determine appropriateness in, in lighting design? Well, you know, my, my real philosophy about lighting design has to do with layering of lighting and a cove, you know, it, it's, it's an element that, can be used to introduce indirect light, you know, and, but does it make any sense for crown molding? It, did it ever exist in that period? Is it anything that, you know, that sort and of that's stuff. appropriateness. Yeah. And so the appropriateness of that, I, I gauge like in some cases it might make sense, but for the most part, I try to find ways. Uh, I, I think I try to find ways of lighting vertical surfaces because we stand up, we look at vertical things. We, we try to do that. And so, Many times that, that reveal at the wall, people call a cove, I, I call a wall grazer or some device of that ilk that we can start to project light upon a surface and, and, and start to read our perimeters. You know, That's what I, I focus on. And having many layers of light, not unlike like we discussed sunlight, moonlight, all the different right. things, that's important. Well, and I think we're talking to now that takes us into appropriateness. For instance, like lighting a bathroom without shadows for makeup and shaving is important. And and also you just set up, uh, you just led into it a little bit. But your whole idea of sunrise, sunset, I love too. And meanings that the interior of the space is constantly evolving as the day is evolving. Right. And there's an appropriateness to that as well. In other words, lighting isn't stagnant. You no. don't flip on switches and that's how it stays for 24-7. Right. And what color is daylight? It's every color. Right. And so when you when you talk about lighting in front of a mirror or something like that, uh, it must be flattering. Right. Because you want to look good when you're in front of a mirror. So you you design that about diminishing wrinkles. You, you, all, all the things that in my mind I consider about design with light that make uh, that are idealized. And so I I embrace that and, and make it into the physical a lighting design of a bathroom or something. So you really do uh, do appropriate things per room. Like the, the dining room is something different. You know, the the powder room is not 
is not the main oh, yeah. master bathroom, right? Absolutely. It's just not. And, and then also, if you are getting ready in the morning, that sunrise light is different than we're going out for dinner or to an event or to a party at sunset. And so this this idea of sunrise, sunset, I right. think, can work through the whole house beyond the bathroom, beyond the bedroom, right. but also into the kitchen, how beautiful it is to be in the morning light versus in the evening glow of light, all of that sunrise, sunset continues on right so this is excellent and i can't we're going to continue on after we take a break this is at home and we'll be back with lighting designer david Buria in two minutes sunrise sunset sunrise sunset swiftly You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio. 24 hours a day. Architectural and principal lighting designer David Buria from Churchwell and Company Architectural Lighting Design. And you can follow David and his firm's amazing work on Instagram at Churchwell underscore lighting. And if that doesn't fulfill you, because it certainly did me, take a look at their amazing website, Churchwell and no, actually, it's, sorry, I got that wrong. It's T hyphen LD dot com. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah, so take a look at that. And then don't forget to send some of your questions now to me at david at David Thiergartner Interior. Put in the subject line at home, and we'll take those after we get back from the next break. David, I want to talk a little bit about some of the unique and fascinating projects that you have done and your company has done. Some of it are absolutely amazing. You showed me um, the Calder exhibition that you did, 
And it was just fascinating. And it kind of goes back to almost what your earlier teacher about how not to create shadows. And so you're taking sculptural colder pieces and trying to light them appropriately. Can you just kind of even begin to tell us how that is possible? I think that this is an example from a gallery exhibition. And there's two gallery exhibitions that I'm talking about. I called her Shadows, and one was called Multim Imparvo, which was all white. One was all about the shadows of the Calder sculpture, and one was all about these tiny little sculptures on in a white room with a white dance floor, and uh, reflect. they sit on a pedestal of mirror. So each one of them is the inverse of a lighting challenge for me. Yeah, I was just going to say, just think about that for a second. So here you have this metal sculpture right, sitting on a mirror in a white room, yeah. right? That's fascinating onto itself. And yeah, and and that was that was incredibly challenging because you light the sculpture and every every one of the sculptures has a reflection and that reflection goes somewhere so I try to contain that to the ceiling. Now, that was uh the white version and then the the shadow version was all about not even the Calder sculpture but the shadow cast by it. So really the art was the shadow and not the piece. And that was a, you know, technically, I had to reinvent some devices and create stuff, uh, you know, that didn't exist to make this thing come together and just create these sharp shadows. And, and uh, it, it was an amazing exhibition. And working with the pieces, um, they're so dynamic that you had to capture every position they could possibly be in. And uh, it, it's it's this, it's a microcosm of what I do on a daily basis with lighting design in, in residences or anything I do. It just, the challenge of it alone was mind boggling to me. I mean, I just, that's all I could think about was just how difficult to do this successfully. And of course you did. Was that the original intent of Calder is to have the shadow on the wall of the piece? Or was that an idea from the curator and or from you that created that new form of his art, which I think is fascinating? Well, I think I worked with Alex Rower, who is the um, grandson of Calder. Okay. You know, of the foundation. And this was a show that was was kind of conceived of. And so kind of the, the it was, can it be done? Yeah. How, how can we do this? And how can we wow. put a person in the space and see all these different things? And it was hugely successful. And uh, we had some crazy design people that showed up there to take a look at it, some of which you know quite well. And um, it, it, was, it, was, it was something that I had to think about it, uh, like, how do I make this the show? And how do I create this environment out of these crude items? And it goes so, it goes to what you and I like to talk about, what we were talking about in the beginning was just the premise of design, the premise of idea, seeing that colder in a completely different way. I mean, if you looked at the shadows, the shadows were... Uh, morphed into different sizes and right. morphed into different angles and 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 so you're analyzing it and seeing it from a different perspective and and you know I think you and I just get fascinated by how to interpret something differently and and I, it was just it's it's remarkable and incredibly successful I think so. and and even to have the you know the gallerist and the uh, the grandson say well the art is really your shadow you know that was kind of amazing Isn't to me. Isn't that I'm amazing? Like, yeah, beautiful I'm like, well, sentiment. not really, but it 
you know, thank you. Thank you so yeah. much. It's love. I mean, that's a lovely compliment. Yeah, it's a very nice thing. Um, I think some other things that people can relate to here in New York anyway, or hopefully all of everybody from everywhere, but the beautiful Lincoln Center Fountain. And of course, Lincoln Center has been recently renovated and there's a, a lot of ingenuity as far as lighting and stuff is concerned. You also worked on the restaurant there, which is called the Lincoln Restaurant. And if you don't know it, it's just sort of a fascinating piece unto itself. So any um, any stories or interesting points about the, the Lincoln Center project? Well, the Lincoln Center restaurant, it, you know, it's, it is a lighting challenge. You, you take a, a ceiling that is a hyperbolic paraboloid and you put grass on top of it and then you put lights beneath it and you hope to make the space look well, you know, and it's... It was a challenge. There, there, it, it was a Diller, Scafidio, and Renfro project, so it was very high concept. And the same thing with the, with the fountain itself. was. Uh, it used to be kind of this brutalist circle that had a fountain in it, and it's not so much of anything that people gathered about. And now, uh, DSR, they came up with this ring concept of this it's a beautiful thing. It almost looks like, if you haven't seen it, it like a bench. Yeah. Right, or you know, something that you can... It's, right, but it does float. But yeah, and and so people just go there. They sit there, and and what I did was to l- underlight this beautiful curve of almost like an uh, an aerospace device, and it, people just live there. And and the, that combined with the fountain and and all the things, the lighting involved in that, is just it's an amazing experience. Yeah, and it's in the middle, of course, of Lincoln Center or the Piazza of right. of Lincoln Center, if you will, and um, so it's central to. Every which way, whatever theater you're coming in and out of, the Opera House or the Philharmonic, whatever, you're always a part of the fountain. So it's a real centerpiece. What else? Um, what else? Tell, tell us something else because they're also fascinating. Well, you know, um, I, I get in. I do a, a great deal of high-end residential, you know, right. and and most of them are kind of not to be named as far as clients are concerned. Of course. But uh, recently, I did a, a project that was. Uh, with uh, Tato Ando uh, as an, the architect. Famous and, architect. Uh, architect, yes. And uh, that was excruciating. And that's where I came from. That was my principal thing where I said light from nowhere. That was my concept. And it turned out incredible. You know, it's, it's this diffuse... Uh, I, it was published in Japan before it was even made. You know, it was one of these things where it's just a, an amazing space and I'm, I'm very proud of it. But it was it was uh, like pulling teeth to get everything exactly perfect because they were talking millimeters. They rebuilt a, a spiral staircase like three times uh, to make it mm. land exactly perfect. Uh, and and the lighting, like Ando, he basically said, "Oh, we're going to do these things uh, to li- uplight this thing." And I said, "Well, that's going to be bad for these reasons." And so I came up with an alternative and showed them what it was going to be like, and they. They liked it, and from that point forward, they came, and they're like, well, okay, what would David do? And I'm like, well, okay, that's amazing that I should have Moving some- forward. Yeah, moving forward that they should even ask me because of the stature of someone like that, you know? And so I've been blessed and fortunate to work in this environment where, you know, I do these great projects. It is exciting, and it is uh, one of the reasons about hiring professionals, and it doesn't matter on on what level you're at. I mean, he's basically giving you a concept. Right. He, for whatever reason, thought it was valid or not valid or whatever, but you helped him to see it better than he even imagined. Right. And there, there's something incredibly exciting about that. 
But, you know, and the way I craft material of light is different than he considers material of light, right? And so that's the thing. It's like I've got this strong experience with, you know, what's going to be bad. What can go wrong? What's going to be the thing that you don't want to see? That's right. We learn from our mistakes. We, well, it's not even that. It's just like, you, you know, you know the cause and effect, right? I understand what's going to happen. And there's so many levels beyond this. It isn't just about the light itself, but the technology, too. So it, uh, I think that we had a good team on this one, and I think we created something really beautiful. And, and the lighting was integral into his overall plan, Yes. You yes. know, obviously, because he seems so structural, right? I mean, right. it all seems so formed. It's all so uh, foundational in a way, right. right? That, again, going back to programming and listening and understanding, all of that has to be thought of before, you know, anything happens at all or, you know, the wires aren't going to be in place, of That's course. That's Yeah. The, the I mean, it's as simple as that, right? right? And if, if mine could, if my lighting can go away and his architecture can persist, then, you know, that's, that's a thing. Like, in a very minimal architect's mind, it's like, oh, this person is embracing my minimalism, and, and he understands, you know, what I'm trying to accomplish, and that's where I love to be. I love to be a collaborative effort. Like, sometimes it, it's that minimalist thing, and other times it's very traditionalist thing. But I need to think about how each designer, interior designer, architect, wants to finish their project, right, and and envision the beauty of what they're creating. And it's all about lighting, in my mind. And, of course, I'm, I'm jaded by that, but yes. Well, that's where the elegance comes from, to, Absolutely. You know, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I can embroider anything. I can, right. you know, create any kind of piece of furniture, but obviously if it's not lit well right. in all of the different times of day, then that doesn't serve anybody. Right. So absolutely. Lighting is crucial. And, you know, we also like to see a little bit when we get past elegance. Right. You know, so, I mean, that is something we've talked about before. And that's maybe why I'm staying away from it a little bit, because I have you. <laughs> but we've had lighting people just to help understand functional light and yeah. indirect light and, you know, all of the different categories of the light. I, I didn't feel like we needed to repeat it so much today because I really wanted to get into your philosophies, into your aesthetics of you know, how you see things and, and, and how you come across uh, working with everybody else. And create beauty, right? Live with light. Find a way. I mean, there's you, you know what you don't like, as we said. And you know what's uh, offensive and glaring and the wrong color and all these different things. Why not in, in, encourage that in architecture and find a way to make these interior environments beautiful with light? Yes, I think absolutely. And also I want to talk about that. We're talking about still fixturing everybody, but we're also talking about recessed lights and all of the other capabilities that are available today. And and right before we finish this segment, I mean, everybody has to know that LED has changed that word dramatically, that world dramatically. Absolutely. And there is, even five years ago, even three years ago, so much more that can happen in interior lighting than ever before in our lifetime, I would say. Well, yes. And I think that you, you started out this point early in the discussion, and I... I my expression is uh, lighting is more like a laptop than a light bulb. And my point is that there's so much technology involved in it that, you know, you're challenged to walk into Home Depot and get anything good, right? 
Right. And and this stuff that lasts 15 years, that changes every three months, how do you replace it when one of them dies in a year, you know? And you've got a house full of 80 lights of some sort or whatever. So you have to think that through very well as a designer and try to find a way to support the, you know, the technology in, in a viable way. Yeah, and that exists today. It, yeah. Yeah. David, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me tonight. You know, and unfortunately we're out of time, so I can't thank you for enough for revealing so many of your your incredible insights and your knowledge for us. And I've already asked you, but please stay with us and take some questions from our listener and see how much further we can take this wonderful conversation. This is At Home, and we'll be back in two minutes. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com David, this is the fun part because we get some questions from our audience. So let's see if we can tackle some of them. This is from Sandra, and she said, you talked about appropriateness and um, uh, and the cove lighting concepts, but I recently saw a bathroom that included a very contemporary bathtub and these beautiful French perfume bottles that were mounted almost like a museum on the wall. And the light looked like it was coming from underneath the tub and kind of then glimmering through uh, the perfume bottles. And so is there anything else? Is there anything like that? Like, is that appropriate 
in a contemporary house? Can that be appropriate in a traditional home? Can you talk about how where lighting comes from and 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 what some of those um, standards might be? Well, you know, I join a team of, of interior designers on most of my projects, and they direct kind of all the elements that are involved in the design. So clearly they present to me what they would like to do as objects of things that happen in a space, whether it's furniture or tiles or that sort of thing. And my challenge is to light or to introduce light and understand the detriments of it. Now, if you have these crystal, you know, atomizers or whatever hanging off the wall or something like that, I understand that that's going to be clear to some degree with cut crystal or something of that nature and sparkle is a big deal. But also the shadows cast beyond on the ceiling or on the wall are potentially a detriment or maybe there's rainbows involved. You know, all these things that start to become part of that. So I I mock that up, I get a sample, I consider it, I move things around, I test things. I don't specify anything I don't see. I get a sample of my products, I get my optics, I get my diffusers, I get things, I put them together, whether it's a tile, it's a glass, whatever. I just put it together and try to see what's good, what's bad, what I need to avoid, and then think about the proportions of the space and how to make it perfect. Now, the some of the other more aesthetic things about the period and how the you know, clawfoot tub or whatever's going on, I try to use the professionals that I'm working with, like yourself, to inform me of what they want to see and what is, um, like, lighting is appropriate in any any realm in a sense, right? You Sunlight, moonlight, daylight, all these things. So we just have to make it look natural to some degree and, and introduce it in a way that doesn't look counterintuitive to the design. I think there's a couple different things I want to run with this because I think this is an excellent question and somebody who's obviously paying attention to what's around them. But um, so appropriateness, um, in other words, is it a um, how do I want to phrase it for her? But obviously lighting the perfume atomizer seemed like a beautiful concept. I, I, I can visualize that and see that. However, a tub floating on light yes. doesn't necessarily seem something that I would be interested in, right? So my point of my question is, it, it seems like we can that so many things can go too far sometimes, and it's right. it's it's understanding when to pull back from that, and then in saying that, and that's an interesting concept. Again, are you recreating that on a computer for the designer to see? No. Are you how are you how are you showing them what they're asking for? Dark room. I mean, I think the thing is is that um, you know you can see in sunlight, you can see in starlight. You have to you have to mock it up. You have to build a one-to-one scale of anything in a way or a portion of it at least. So you can say, this is the effect that your eyes are going to see because, you know, photorealistic and, and visual realistic are two different things. Right. And that, that thing at yeah, night, hundred percent. Yeah. Oh and, God. and your floating pedestal of light under a tub, I've done it. Now appropriateness is also about the emotion of the client and what they really, you know, sometimes they get hooked on something. They, and there's a reason, emotional reason or something that they think is, the thing and our job is to some degree to steer them to what's appropriate and the other is like well what do you want you know how do you want to feel and does this make you feel a certain way and sometimes it's 
not architecturally or interior design the way we should direct things, but uh, we want to embrace the client and make sure they get what they want. Nice. <laughs> this is from Jenny. She says that I get so confused about this conversation about color. She's specifically talking about the Calvin uh, LED scale here, right. trying to understand warm to blue cool sort of thing. Um, but she also writes, is it ever appropriate where a colored light bulb it works or can work, I guess? Well, uh, I mean, there... I mean, I guess you would have to know what she was trying to light. Yeah, I mean, when... You've discussed with me moonlighting, right? And so that's... That's my big term. I like... Well, you say... You say... I call moonlighting when you don't know where the light's coming from. Right. How did you refer to that? When I think of moonlighting, I think of exterior lighting that was based on a very cold uh, color temperature that was like reflected light off the, you know, 2% reflective moon from the sun. And this is kind of a bluish thing and it filters down through the trees and it's just this beautiful thing. Now... um, color temperature wise it's it's very cool but you know moonlight is appropriately cool right so um the question about kelvin um it, i guess i would need to understand more what what it, what is it that they're asking i think she's just asking about colored light and specifically okay. like you know we brought up rainbow right you know so that's when the spectrum gets splattered on the wall right divided right, right. And, and if i'm understanding her question well enough um not only how do I figure out warm versus cool, I mean, I, I think you just have to test that in your own home to find out. I personally don't see how you could ever use a blue light bulb anywhere other than behind a tropical plant in a conservatory. Other than that, I'm not sure where that's appropriate inside of a house. Yeah. Um, it seems too theatrical to me. Well, I mean, I suppose you consider some sort of spa scenario, right? I've I've done things where you've got a Hamam, or you've got various things where you want to have color changing or a different coolness or a warmness of a light that's an RGB source or something like that. And I've done that. You know, it's, it's just about crafting um, that environment. Here's one quick one before we go. This is from Tom and Janet. We just bought a new house, a little craftsman style house. It only has center light fixtures as it would back in the day. What is appropriate about adding new light and how perhaps if you can envision that craftsman style house, how would you enhance that? That's a really challenging question, right? Because I think that there's nothing integrated that's in the craftsman style that would be specifically understandable or appropriate with that, right? Uh, You may find ways of discreetly, intimately defining the perimeter and the boundaries of the space with edge, you know, like not cove, but grazing lights or various things or pin spots that you can hide in very, very discreet ways. So it seems like it didn't even exist, but it, it creates almost a theater or, or not theater or a set of just a beautiful, beautiful tonality. I tell you, um, you know, real quick, just to take that further, I think as long as your fixture, you know, so you have a center fixture, as long as your new fixture that you've chosen is of the appropriate scale or even a little larger, most people make mistakes, they go too small Mm -hmm. with ceiling light fixture, so maybe get a little bit bigger. But if your eye focuses to what is pretty, the decorative fixture, you might be able to get away with some hidden gems somewhere along the line. Again, tricking the eye and not sure where the light source is coming exactly. from. Exactly. Yeah, which is great. One of my thoughts on that too is like you go in that room where you got a center light fixture, it's, it's brightest in the center and it falls off to the perimeter. And my philosophy is to 
surround yourself, define your boundaries with light. And so it's the inverse of a center pendant. So the pendant is a decorative element with sparkle and all these things, but let's supplement layers, 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 layers. So think about that. David, I'm telling you, you and I could talk forever. We have, um, especially if we have a beer in front of us. So I want to thank you again for that. Thank you for being here tonight. I want to thank everybody here at talkradio.nyc, Schoolhouse Productions number six. I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't want to try. Benjamin Keegan for my music and Remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at home with DTI. And remember to take a look at my website, davidtheargartnerinteriors.com. And I want you to stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way. And until next week on the radio, remember the best designs for your life start at home. You got to live in the light. You got to live in the light. You got to live in the light. You gotta live in the light. You gotta live in the light. I gotta live in the light. You gotta live in the light. I gotta live in the light. You gotta live in the light. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Theergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc.
You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network.